Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, welcome back, First Gen Nation. I hope you're having a wonderful spring, or should I say, had a wonderful spring. If your state is like Iowa, you're probably soaking up those beautiful 70-degree days, and uh, then all of a sudden you got hit with an ice storm. In fact, the ice storm was just so, you know, as if an ice an ice or a, a little snowstorm uh, couldn't be annoying enough after having some 70-degree de- weather for a few days. Uh, the ice was was so, um, I guess you could say just annoying, that it packed in around my windshield wipers. And uh, after work, when I went to go, uh, uh, you know, clear off my windshield, and no, I didn't just turn on the windshield wipers like a lazy person and have it try to rake all that poundage of snow and ice off. Actually, I got a, kind of a funny story about that. Um, when I was in <laughs> when I was in college, I had this piece of junk car. It was, uh, it was a little Mazda Protégé, and uh, uh, man, do I have some stories with that thing. But uh, one of those stories was I was out with uh, uh, my now wife and a couple of our friends, and I was the driver. And uh, what what happened was we were driving on our way back from a restaurant i think is what it was and it started to do this like real heavy sleet and snow and of course i turned on my windshield wipers you know because you need to see well it started to like freeze so quick and become like so so like icy on the windshield instantly that um it like broke the little uh the little connecting piece inside uh uh, you know, under like the cowl area by the windshield for my car and my windshield wipers were busted. They wouldn't even work during an ice storm. Yeah, that was a nice little, uh, Wisconsin reality there. And, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I had to, I had to go without my windshield wipers. Well, I thought that that happened again with this most recent ice storm that we just had, but thankfully it was just packed in there and I was able to dig it out and all as well. Well, why am I, why am I talking about this? I don't know. Maybe you can relate. Uh, life is still, still real life here in Iowa, but, um, speaking of college tonight's show, we are going to talk to some guys who have found a way during their college years to not only fit in the mountains of books, the endless papers, and the uh, many late nights of homework, but they've also found the time to work a really busy hunting schedule in with that as well. And their channel is known as Dorm Room Outdoors. And so we're gonna talk to these guys and we're gonna hear all about their channel. They do a YouTube channel. They're all starting a podcast soon and uh, they're they're very active on Instagram. And and so uh, they're a lot of fun to follow, do a whole lot of hunting get a lot of animals on the ground and fill up a lot of game bags and they do it the right way and you'll actually recognize one of the voices be nate olson nate was on episode 10 i believe and so you'll get to enjoy hearing from him there but uh beyond that you need a tip of the day the tip of the day has to do with what's going on this time of year and that would be good old turkey season 
Now, once again, I am far from a turkey expert. I am very, very new to turkey hunting. I've only been out a few times, so I don't have a lot to tell you from turkey hunting strategy. However, I can offer you some helpful advice on how to scout for turkeys while you're doing something else that I've done a whole lot of, and that is shed hunting. Now, during shed season, a lot of times we just focus on scouting for what the deer are doing during the late season. We want to get that information so that we can use it for the following late season if we have to. If you Maybe if you're like uh, Brandon going into that late season, you still want to try and fill a buck tag, and you want to be able to start figuring out where are these bucks spending time during the late season for next year, right? Well, that's only part of what you should be scouting for. The other thing you should be scouting for are turkeys. A lot of times I've seen turkeys while I've been shed hunting. Um, I've seen a lot of turkey tracks. You might notice some just really good looking turkey habitat or maybe like a, a really good roosting tree near some uh, a food source or something. Uh, but you need to be looking for that stuff as well. Okay. And uh, what that can do then is it, it's accomplishing two things at once. We've mentioned this clear back in one of our earliest episodes, the importance of being efficient with the time that we take to get outside. A lot of us have families and other obligations uh, that that demand a lot of uh, time and attention, and they should because they're super important and they're, they're way more important than hunting. But when we do get those precious moments of free time to get out and do a little hunting, or a little shed hunting or whatever scouting we need to try and wrap up multiple activities into one to be as efficient with that time as possible and so one of those things you can do is really be scanning around for a good turkey sign so that when uh, the time comes a few weeks later you can get out there know where to know where to begin and start uh, adjusting from there so that's your tip of the day be efficient with that time do a little turkey scouting while you're doing your shed hunting and uh, with that it's time, people. Let's get on here to episode number 46 of the First Gen Hunter podcast, an interview with Dorm Room Outdoors. Brandon, my friend, it feels like it's been ages since we've gotten to talk. I know. You know, you get to the end of the season and then you're busy doing other things and life happens. And next thing you know, it's several weeks before you connect and man, feels like an eternity. You got that right, man. It's been, it's been a uh, long haul for me to get out in the great outdoors. Every time I make yeah. plans to get outside, it snows, gets super cold, somebody gets sick. Or, uh, you know, this endless, this endless, uh, cycle of, yeah. of uh, cancellations. And I, yep. it has been probably a month since mm. I've been able to get outside, which, you know, I've been able to use that time for first gen stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, uh, should have a store up and running here pretty soon. I, uh, nice. I am still, uh, figuring out all the, uh, sales tax side of sure. things, which is, yeah incredibly complex <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh uh it it should be uh ironed out here very soon and uh nice. should be able to get that get that squared away but good man it's just good to talk to you what's been going on oh, yeah. there in the uh delaware neck of the woods yeah well just you know getting excited about the uh shed hunting coming up and 
Um, you know, it looks like most of the bucks on our properties have, from what we're seeing, just from residual Wi-Fi cams and whatnot, um, have have dropped their their antlers. So we're excited to to get out there. Blessed to have my brother back in the area for about a week, and he just had his first baby uh, and lives out in Missouri and fish and wildlife officer out there. So we're looking forward to hopefully getting some hunt in next year, you know, next season out in Missouri and whatnot. But he was able to come into the area. So I think we're going to do like a family uh, shed hunting trip and looking forward to putting together, you know, just some of the uh, tactics that we've learned through the podcasts and through the different episodes and whatnot. So looking forward to getting out there. I think we've got a, a really good spot where there's just a, a you know, real good, um, you know, thick pine area, good travel area, bedding area where the, where the deer, you know, live and kind of a, the sanctuary area on one of our properties where we, we really never enter that area. And we, you know, have made periodic exceptions around shed season, but now this is going to be kind of the first year that we're really being purposeful with it. So excited to kind of get in there since we never go in there and, and just see yeah. what we can find and hopefully be an exciting time to snag a few racks and get amped up for what's to come. So yeah. Yeah. About that. I hope you guys find some, maybe since you yeah. haven't been back there, you'll, uh, you'll turn up some old, old uh, some old green, yes. some old green sheds. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about it. How about you? What's your, what's your plans on the uh, shed hunting front? Well, uh, I was supposed to go today, so that got oh, okay. another day of postponement. It was uh, yeah. freezing rain today, so uh, couldn't go. Couldn't. But supposed to go tomorrow after work, so that'll be that'll be okay. uh, much much needed. You know, yes. to get out and and uh, get a little uh, timber time in, as a good friend yes. of mine calls it. Yeah, so we'll be out. We'll be out wandering around a little bit, and hopefully find nice. find something. And if not, just be good yeah. to be outside. And, oh yeah. yeah, man. I mean, yeah. honestly, it's been nice to just have it start getting you know staying light a little later. Yeah, starting you know, which is which has been really nice. And already looking forward to the time change next month, and you know, getting out getting out of these doldrums a little bit. Yeah, definitely, man. It's uh, it, there's still a ton of snow on the ground here, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, to be able to to find a shed right now that mm-hmm. isn't going to be totally buried is is uh, probably asking a little much, but sure, um, they're down, they're they're on the ground. You know, a lot of yeah. the sheds are are dropping, and mm-hmm. and uh, over the the next the next few weeks, I I would imagine almost you know the vast majority of sheds will be will be uh off of bucks heads and and yeah. waiting to be picked up but yeah man i'm i'm really pumped to uh get out and hopefully uh you know approach it a little bit smarter uh something yeah. that actually joe shed mentioned mm-hmm. in uh last interview i had with him and he talked about and i think he said in years with a lot of snow um, yeah, he'll uh, he'll uh, look in uh, alfalfa fields that uh, you know just because alfalfa kind of sticks up off the ground a little bit. And, yeah, and uh, you know I I know of one really big alfalfa field that uh, isn't too far from some decent uh, cover that I think I'm nice. gonna I think I'm gonna try and prioritize this year and and see if I can't turn something up out there. But, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited for for uh, shed hunting during a year where it the, the antlers are going to be a little bit more piled up, and I understand shed hunting a little bit better than I have in the past. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No. I, I mean, and that's I'm I'm curious to hear how you do as well because you know both you and I have you know been learning and you know kind of excited. And you've you've been into it more than I have been in the past, but you know, so I'm kind of looking forward to learning more and hearing how you do and you know just i mean it's it's always when we've stumbled across them in the past it's it's felt amazing you know so i'm excited to kind of put some purposeful effort behind it and after learning some different tips and tactics through the podcast and these different awesome guys who've come on i mean i'm just excited to put some boots on the ground and like you said if nothing else man it's a great walk in the woods it's it's enjoying being out there a little bit after the, you know, the heart of the season is done and everything and just a chance to get out and explore a little bit. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, you know, one thing we can't get away from is that there's mm. still a big, a big part of it is still just luck. You know, you could yes, be, right? you could be hitting all the right spots, but if that's not where they dropped, then yeah, you're not going to find right. them. So that's right. Yeah. People are are listening to this and licking their chops at this year's opportunities. Just just remember that that's part of it too. You know, you could yeah, you right. could uh, do a lot of walking and come up empty, and that's okay because you're still outside. You're still you're still uh, enjoying nature, and you're still yep. learning about deer. You are, yeah. You, you well, are. and and you know the cool thing too about this time of year is as you're walking through. I mean, maybe you're going to be like like me walking through an area that you don't typically enter. So it's a good yeah. time of the year to do it. I mean, it's after hunting season. You know, if you're going to go into a sanctuary, you know, it's great. One thing I've noticed, too, in going into areas like that in the past, sometimes, you know, you'll go into an area on the fringe portion of a sanctuary type of area. And you're like, you know, you start to realize, wow, this is actually a really great open area in here, you know, way to kind of just get into just a a small portion, you know, of the, of the fringe of a sanctuary that could be a great setup based on wind direction and whatnot. So it's a great time of year because nothing's grown back yet. Everything's dead. So you really have got a great view of things. Really everything's nice and opened up. So it, it kind of is a nice time for scouting. I mean, it's like, oh, so you're yeah. already kind of thinking of the next year and like stand placement and different things. I mean, it's a great time to really get a good view of everything. Well, and, and honestly, other than the, uh, good old Cole Young, observation sits mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i don't know that there's a better way to scout for deer than through shed hunting and the right. reason for that is you know a lot of people do their scouting in the summertime which is important but sure. really you know it's like i think our our buddy noel gandy said you know running summer cameras is basically an inventory you know it's yeah yeah the 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 deer the deer that are on there it's great to see that they're there it's great to see mm -hmm. who's who who made it from yep. last season that kind of thing yep. what what size mm -hmm. they're becoming yeah uh, but but those deer are not going to be anywhere near the same pattern uh come you know october november and yep. and of course even as you trend into the late season and after right. they've they've gone through a gun season or two mm -hmm. and the pressure mm -hmm. has changed their movement yeah but when you're shed hunting, you are you are there seeing what they're they're doing during the late season. And so mm -hmm. of course again, that pattern is different than what they were doing in November or October. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it is what they were doing during late muzzleloader or 
or some places the late chronic wasting disease management season yeah, or, right. or, you know, just late archery season. And mm-hmm. you know what? The the time you're really going to be, be happy to have that intel is when you yeah. still haven't filled your tag yet and you're hunting the late season and you want to know where right. the deer are and what they're doing. And you'll be, mm-hmm. you'll be thankful for those, those hours that you spent out there, uh, messing with, uh, looking for antlers or setting up stands yeah. or, you know, there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. that, that have t- talked on this show about how they like to get all their, their lanes cut and their, their, uh, yeah. stands up during, uh, kind of the March, you know, April timeframe yeah. before it gets real hot out and, yep. you know, there's poison ivy everywhere and thorns mm-hmm. everywhere and, mm-hmm. and, yep. uh, you know, and plus you're, then you're able to, to leave it alone until deer yep. season and the deer has forgotten your, your existence. That's right. So, yeah. I mean, you figure you minimize the scent that you put in the woods. Cause like you mentioned, it's still cold out. You've got the best possible view of things. It's a great time to really study, you know, prevailing wind directions and, and what things are going to look like. So, I mean, it's, it's honestly, you're kind of getting into that time frame of, you know, like out here in Delaware, you know, Turkey season starts April 15th. It's just a fun time of year to be in the woods. I mean, I know, yeah. you know, we we've we've shot turkeys you know when you, april 15th you know that first week or whatever where it's sometimes it's 30 degrees out still you know and it's you know but then other times you know next weekend it could be 60 degrees you know and so you're kind of going through that trans, transition process so i mean chance to chance to enjoy that you know a little bit getting out and anything to extend the season a little bit you know that's that's kind of one of the reasons i'm excited about shed hunting i mean this is going to be the first year where i've really where i really will be considering like myself going out and truly looking for sheds and so you know it's cool that that's kind of an extension of the season and and you know the the dreams and the things that come with that you know when you find something like that and oh man what's this guy gonna turn into next year and and you know even looking back through trail cams and hey all right which one you know maybe you know immediately oh this is uh, we've got a, you know, buck we've nicknamed X, you know, for professor X from, from <laughs> X-Men, you know, I mean, you know, we're like read our minds all the time. Like, you know, you, you may, may look at that or you may have to look through back through inventory and then, you know, see about finding which buck that was. And so, you know, it's, it's almost like the starting point for the next season and, and the potential dreams and, and adventures that are to come. So, I mean, it's kind of cool to kick that off with, with some shed hunting. Yeah, man, that's, that's a, that's a great way to say it. Get that yeah. excitement going again after you've mm-hmm. had your time off and your mm-hmm. little recoup and, yep. and, uh, iron things out a little bit. Yeah, yes. that's for sure. You know, another thing that I need to have on my to-do list mm-hmm. is, um, I got a bunch of, of, uh, meat to still grind. Um, oh, you okay. know, you know, when, when my wife and I were, um, butchering up that, that deer I shot in December, you know, part of that was, well, let's, you know, let's just get this meat all cleaned up, trimmed up and yeah. everything and packaged. And, uh, there's, there's, uh, we're not a huge ground meat family. You know, we eat a lot of steaks okay, yeah. and a lot of stew yeah. meat and, um, uh, maybe some, what you would consider chops, definitely a lot of roast, you know, we like to keep mm-hmm. our roast whole and, and cook those and do something special with those. And of course the back yeah. straps and everything, but I got a bunch of hog fat that a buddy of mine gave me and, uh, we bought a, uh, meat grinder attachment for my wife's kitchen aid and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna grind up some meat, but I need to, uh, set aside some time, 
uh, here this spring or maybe even in this summer. You know, that might be a good summer thing to do. You know, when you're, it's, it's like super hot out and you don't want to go outside because you're sweat to death. Yeah. You know, you, you, uh, uh, that might be a nice thing. Pull that cold, that cold meat out of the freezer and the cold hog fat out of the freezer. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just work on grinding some meat, but that's something else I need to get going on here soon too, is, is getting that taken care of. Yeah. But. Well, that's exciting. I mean, you know, you just, and, and that's kind of cool too, reliving, you know, kind of going through that process and reliving the memory of, of even taking that buck and, you know, what it means to be able to have that meat in the freezer. And, you know, cool that I, I really enjoyed what you had said about, um, you and, and your wife being able to kind of do that together. And that was, that was kind of cool that you guys were able to work on that together, team building type thing and, and enjoy the harvest. So, I mean, you know, just so many, you know, many stories that you're able to reflect on in the season and the enjoyment that you have and the fun and man, it's just, you know, it, it's cool to, you know, right when you get to the end of the season, you know, it's like anything else, anytime something fun is ending, it's like, oh man, that's kind of, kind of sad. But then, you know, you turn right around and, Oh, wow. Okay. We're kind of already in a uh, prep process for the next season and shed hunting and everything else. And it's like, wow, actually this is kind of exciting. We're getting right back towards it. So yeah, kind of neat to already be kicking it off and, you know, then turkey hunting coming and, and then, you know, a little bit of fishing and, and, you know, more prep work and, you know, before you know it, you're, you're right back into it. So one thing I've realized is, uh, you know, over the years, something that's almost more powerful and more fun than the event itself is the anticipation the preparation, you know, all of those things that go into it, the journey, you know, in one word. And so, uh, if you can, if you can get down to, to enjoying the journey, uh, that's, that's a powerful thing. If you're not just living for those individual moments, but enjoying the journey, man, it, it, it makes for such a fun, long extended season. And here we are in the next step of that process. So, so excited for the next step in the journey. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to say it for sure. Well, uh, speaking of inspiring and mm. uh speaking of next step in the journey you know uh, that yeah. makes me think of kind of a transitional point in life where you're uh you know starting to look at what you're going to be doing long term big picture mm-hmm. and that would be those glorious college years yeah uh, back when uh Brandon and I knew who each other were but really didn't know each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that's right and I wasn't even hunting yet and uh uh, that was, you know, a, obviously, you know, college for, for most people, I think they would say that it's a, whether for good or for bad, one of the most mm-hmm. important parts of their life, uh, yeah. whether it's just because they racked up a ton of debt or because they uh, <laughs> truly found what they were going to be doing or met right. who they married or, or whatever. But, yeah. but, uh, that's who we're talking to tonight. We're talking to some guys who, uh, while in college have, taking it upon themselves to really still participate in the outdoors as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've got that bug. They've, they've got, they've got that, uh, uh, that deep burning passion to be outside and mm-hmm. still be active, even though, um, uh, you know, I, I think back to when I was in high school, you know, I felt like I was busy in high school as a high school student. Yeah. But then when I got to college, I learned what busy was. Busy is, uh, you know, writing a five page paper and then studying for a, uh, 
uh, huge unit exam the next morning and yep. all in one night. That's busy. And, yeah. uh, you know, pulling those all nighters and staying up till maybe not staying up all night, but staying up till like 3 a.m. To, to finish a term paper or something, you know, all that yeah. stuff that, that goes into being a college student, it's busy. And, uh, then if you th- throw in with that playing a sport, um, yeah. Like, uh, I played, I played football in college and I remember, uh, during, during the season, uh, it was, it was like you had no life. You would, uh, wake up, go to class. Um, you would, uh, 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 finish class, run out to practice, maybe have a team meeting or something or, or, uh, uh, you know, some other, some other thing going on, you know, of course, then after practice, you'd have to shower or get showered off and, and, uh, then, you know, go eat, do homework, go to bed, wake up, do the same thing, you know? Yeah. And, right. And these guys, they do that, but they still have found a way to fit hunting mm. into their, uh, into their, their busy college schedules. And not only that, yeah. but they self film a lot of their hunts and um you know if you're listening into this and if you're a college-age student or maybe you just have a crazy busy schedule like those those days of of college where you have all that homework and and other responsibilities and things um or maybe you know maybe you're just uh you're in the boat of brandon to me and you're uh you have some young kids at home and and uh you know your your spouse works and and Mm -hmm. uh you work and you got you got to balance everything else out. There's some really good tips in this one as far as uh, time yeah. management goes, and mm-hmm. still being able to hunt all sorts of different critters and, and and really enjoy those things that you know honestly I think make us more effective in every other aspect of life. Just when we have yeah. that time to you know connect with with nature and and uh yeah. um you know uh, as Brandon and I have talked about before even have time to if you're if uh, you're religious to to pray and reflect and and uh you know maybe uh, uh crack the bible open or something and and yeah. uh yeah oh, you yeah. know have have some of that meditation time to to mm-hmm. really uh free up your mind of the stress of work and and home life and, and other busyness yeah. you know and so yeah. uh I think it's really cool to see how these guys have prioritized their time to still fit that in and uh yeah and, and you know what they're really good at hunting too and yeah. uh, they've they've uh had some really impressive success uh, if you follow them and these guys that we're talking about are the the gents who are with none other than the dorm room outdoors crew mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Some really impressive guys who uh, are are going to be movers and shakers in the hunting world. They already are, um, yeah. but, but uh, we're gonna. I, I I'm confident we're gonna be seeing these guys a lot more down the road, uh, just because of their passion and and their eye for for a quality product that they uh, they put out there. So, without any uh, further ado, other than maybe a commercial or a uh, uh, tip of the day or something, I, I don't know where. Well, this will be at the beginning of the episode, I suppose. So, but uh, yeah. after after that, we'll uh, jump right into our interview here with uh, Dorm Room Outdoors. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have you ever hunted out west, or maybe thought about going on your first western hunt? 
Either way, you need to complete applications, navigate every state's processes, and actually end up getting a tag to go and complete your hunt. East to West Hunts with Alex Gruen is your one-stop shop to get the information you need to get the tags you desire to hunt the species of your choice where you want to hunt them. Alex scaffolds his services by offering simple deadline reminders and consultations for DIY hunters all the way up to the deeply involved premium plans that complete all applications and hunt plans for you. He will even send you waypoints on where to camp, hunt, and more if you have his hunt planning services. Memberships for the DIY hunter are as low as $8 a month if you are just getting started, or if you are interested in getting more information, go over to www.alexgruen.com and check out the offerings, or you can give Alex a shout via phone at 720-248-7181. And when you get there, be sure you use the code FIRSTGEN10 on the website or reference this podcast when you give him a ring on the phone. If you do, you will receive a 10% discount on any service of your choice. Remember, that's www.alexgruin.com and mention the promo code FIRSTGEN10, all one word, F-I-R-S-T-G-E-N, the number 10, and receive 10% off any of Alex's services. Hey, Brandon, I think that's your name, right? <laughs> it's been a little long, a little bit of a long time, sir. Yeah, there's been like a drought of podcasts where we've had yes. zero input from the one and only Brandon Martin. And uh, <laughs> I would take the time to find out your whole life story, your, your, your excuse for your absences. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We got a couple of guys on the, on the uh, line tonight that you and I can relate to very well because... Mm. They are college students, and um, you know, I think if there's one phase of life that is more busy than like uh, early parenting days, it's uh, it's like uh, the college years, man, when you got all those projects and all that ridiculous homework, and you know, oh yeah, rushing to get your workbook filled out for the ever meaningful or super meaningful, I guess you could say, music appreciation or English comp one hundred two or whatever, but uh. No, I we, we, we can't keep them waiting. So with that introduction, thank you, Dorm Room Outdoors from University of Wisconsin, Platteville, for uh, coming on to the show tonight. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. Now, one of you guys has already been on the show before, and that would be the one and only Nate Olson. So, Nate, good to have you back. I'll, uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll I'll tell uh, Mr. Fritch I talked to you. Uh, All right. He he thought your buck was pretty cool this year, but but uh, we'll uh, that's that's a unique story that we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, one that would have definitely caused me a little bit of heart failure if that was uh if that was my buck, but <laughs> but uh we we don't want to spoil too much with that story, but. No, we really appreciate you guys uh, taking some time to join our show. I know one of you has a test uh, first hour tomorrow, it sounds like. Uh, 
0800, right? But uh, uh, let's just start out here a little bit by introducing dorm room outdoors. And, uh, you know, just because we have so many guys on the line tonight, this is a first for, for the podcast. We have, uh, five people on this call right now. And so far it's going pretty well, but we also have, uh, uh, Sam Peters and Ryan Hardy, uh, with us as well. And, uh, if you guys wouldn't mind, uh, telling us how dorm dorm room outdoors came to be and, you know, maybe some of the projects you guys have been doing and what, what you're working on right now. Yep. So dorm room outdoors originated with Jared Carney and myself. We were roommates sophomore year and we've always had interests in filming. Sam and I hunted freshman year together, filming each other, trying to get it done on public land, mm. but we never really took it too serious. But then sophomore year, Jared and I really decided, all right, we want to do this and then ask Sam and Sam was like, yep, I'm all for it. So we kind of just got together, figured it out. And I bought our first camcorder, 1080p camcorder, and just started practicing throughout the summer. Got used to it, and we took it from there and just slowly upgraded our gear. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I will say this, for as busy as you guys are with everything else going on, the stuff you do put together is um, – a very quality product you know i think a lot of people kind of flirt around with getting in into the filming side of things but you guys have clearly you know really poured yourselves into making a good product so uh what, what, at some point in the show we'll tell people how to find you guys and they'll be able to see that for themselves of course but well it's really cool how you've uh you've been doing that so when you say sophomore year are you like a are you a senior now I'm a junior. A junior. Okay. So dorm room really hasn't been around that long then, but you guys already have pretty good following going and, and some good partnerships uh, that you guys have established. Um, just over a year, year okay. and a half. Sure. Sure. And uh, had some excellent hunting content this year. Uh, we'll get to that though here in, in a few minutes. But, you know, one of the things that I've wondered about with you guys doing this as college students is how is it, you know, maybe the right term is received or um, maybe, uh, let's see here, how do I want to say this? How how are you guys accepted on campus? I, now, I know you guys are up in Wisconsin, and actually Brandon and I, um, this is one thing all five of us have in common here on this uh, podcast right now. We all went to college in Wisconsin, but none of us are from there. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, how are you guys kind of received on campus with, with doing this? Cause I'm sure words out that dorm room exists and it, it's, it's happening on, on campus, you know, as far as there's guys here that, that do this hunting and filming stuff. What, what, what's kind of the reaction you get? I uh, guess from like close friends, um, for me and Nate being on the baseball team, like the baseball players know about it. Coaches know about it. I don't think it's too out of the ordinary being at Platteville just because I would say there's a good majority of people here who enjoy the outdoors. Sure. And I think that sometimes you'll get, you know, people who know about it and they ask about it. Um, you know, when's the next thing? So-and-so coming out, all that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's pretty cool just cause I think like you mentioned earlier with 
filming and stuff that you know there's so many like before ryan and jared got into it there's so many um people out there who always talk about it but never actually do it yeah definitely has there been any kind of like uh you don't have to get too specific here but have you had any like pushback or or any negative you know like almost anti-hunting sentiment towards towards your projects i never have personally nice yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I I sense you know, I for me this is all new, of course, first gen hunter, right? Uh, so I've only been I've only been part of the hunting community for just over six years now, and so I really haven't seen much. I know it exists, you know, and I have seen or or heard some comments, you know, from people on, you know, I, I remember when I posted my first deer I ever killed, I got I got a little bit of pushback on that and. You know, that kind of changed my social media approach a little bit on, yeah. as far as sharing stuff like that. But that, that's, I, I sense that people are, are making peace with hunting more than ever before. Would you guys kind of agree with that? I think so. Yeah. To a point. And it helps that when you have a channel like Dormer Outdoors or any type of hunting page, a good majority of your followers if not all of them all support hunting too mm, so yeah you're kind of mm-hmm. constantly surrounded by it yeah yeah that's and good. if there is you know some negative you have a lot of i guess per se yeah well and it's, and it's cool too for you know for obviously those of us who love hunting you know the more people that are into it and that represent it in a positive way you know it just goes to continue to build things even for those who don't necessarily hunt but you know support the, you know those who do so and that's an important group too so appreciate what you guys are doing to further that side of things too for sure yeah definitely have you guys had any uh opportunities to introduce anybody to hunting or or uh, maybe somebody who's only done a little bit of hunting bring them along a little bit at all i've been able to do that recently kind of funny kids were in high school seniors last year graduated but they had already heard about dorm room previously before coming to Platteville, and then I've had classes with them, just regular gen eds, and I'm wearing like a dorm room hat or sweatshirt. Sure. And oh, you're from dorm room, and then talk to them, and then I help them get started on like public land in the area because mm-hmm. that's what I did freshman year. I went extremely hard on public land, so I know all surrounding spots. So I just gave them a bunch of pointers because most of them haven't even shot anything larger than a spike. Mm-hmm. So, that's it, so. They can go out like a 120, 130 off public land and be super happy with it to have anything bigger than. Oh us. yeah, are you guys are you guys trying to you have a a thought process of um, like a mentorship program or or you know in terms of further exposure for new hunters or what are your thoughts on that? I think that would be cool. Just feel like all of our time's really invested into school, baseball, yeah, and mm-hmm. hunting for ourselves like this year alone. Yeah. I put right. six thirty hours in a tree stand. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> put a lot of time yeah. into that. And personally I don't really have any extra time. If I can help, I will do my best. Right. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, there's only so much time. Exactly. Yeah. Like 4.0 and still be able to hunt. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. It was it six hundred and thirty hours you put in a tree stand this year? Is that what you said? That's for sure. Man. So Obviously you, uh, <laughs> obviously you haven't failed out of college yet, <laughs> but, nope. uh, that means that you're probably, you, you got some tricks up your sleeves 
for uh, time management. Are you doing any uh, studying from the tree stand? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of studying. So. Can, you, can you kind of run us through that? Because I got to imagine that there's some other people that, that tune in who uh, could, uh, could benefit from hearing some of these strategies you have. Well, it would be get out of baseball practice or lifting, go run out to the tree. It's 3 p.m. You got two hours left, three hours left time. So get up, get set, mm-hmm. know when the deer are going to start moving. So I can just sit there, read some paragraphs, maybe write an essay or two on Word. I can do everything I have on the computer on my phone. So at any mm-hmm. point in time, I can do all my assignments the same way I would on a computer. That way I can download PDFs, study, just go through that. And then nice. once it gets closer to prime time, I will just kind of wean off the phone a little bit, stop trying to study as much, and then just kind of take it in. Say the good first hour and a half, I'm on my phone either looking at assignments, doing assignments, reading, or what maybe certain day, just so I can stay on top of it. Fall with baseball that takes up plenty of time too. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> Great utilization of time. Yeah. Also took plenty of classes in the tree stand this year too with Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, good point. You take advantage of that. Yeah, Zoom has made it easy to attend class in the tree stand. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Especially those eight AMs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a great idea. And you know, go back twenty years ago and that's something that you know, wouldn't be near as convenient, you know, somebody would have to drag some, some books along with them or something. So that's, that's, uh, that's one little benefit there to, you know, being in the modern age and having, having cell phones at your disposal and things like that. That's, that's Mm -hmm. really smart time management there. Nate, are you uh, picking up any of that as a uh, freshman this year? Um, Not a whole lot. No. I mean, if I had schoolwork, I pretty much just didn't hunt or did it after I hunted. Wow, so responsible of you, Nate. So responsible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that is uh that's probably that's probably the right choice there. Once you're once you're a, a savvy junior like Ryan, you'll be able to get away with more of that stuff. But, as long as I'm on the Dean's list, I don't really care. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's smart. That's smart time management for sure. And you know what? It it is good to get outside when you're when you're dealing with a stressful schedule, just having that, that peace and quiet and doing something you enjoy, you, that can uh, really bring about some, uh, some mental quiet, much needed rest while you're uh, doing that stuff. So that's, that's great. Well, you know, the, the thing, the other question I have with uh, hunting during college is, and, and this idea of dorm room outdoors is, and you guys are probably, still wrestling through this since you know you're only a a year and a half into the channel and everything but uh you can't stay in college forever (laughs) and uh there's there's um you know going to obviously you know things are going to progress for you is the idea that this is something that can hopefully you know be passed down as people join the team and and want to participate or uh, will, will there truly be this this new chapter, you think, for uh, what each of you end up doing beyond? I imagine now that you got the bug for self-filming that you're probably going to probably gonna stick with that for a lifetime. But uh, what, what's kind of the, the future 
you know, without having to get too detailed here, but what are you guys kind of looking at down the road? Personally, I think that uh, we will just continue with our guys as long as they want to help film. We'll sure. always keep filming, so whether it necessarily stays as Dorm Room Outdoors as a name, I'm not sure, but definitely we are not against adding new members like freshman Nate. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think that because we aren't quite there yet, but definitely after college, still plan on filming, still continue doing what we're doing. I feel for most of us. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool premise too, because, you know, like I I know I mentioned the mentorship thing earlier and, and, you know, it's not a reality right now because of the time inside of things, but man, I could almost see it becoming like a, like something that would, would be a club or would be something that could permeate a lot of different colleges, you know, as a means, you know, so many colleges around the country that, I mean, even Maranatha where we went in Wisconsin, there were, there were guys that were, I mean, if there was something like that there, oh my goodness, can't we, would, there would have been so many guys that would have been oh, yeah. all about that. And I mean, it, it kind of, a, it would be a cool thought to see, see how that could grow, you know, obviously where you guys are at, but then in other places as well, I think it would be really well received, you know, and, and maybe a way to, you know, get other people into it, you know, because you've got a, you've got that group of young people that are kind of itching to, you know, get into something and, and have some fun. And so really cool what you guys are doing. A lot of, you know, a lot of potential there for sure. For club wise, uh, currently talking with my roommate, who's the captain of the trap team and we're yeah. possibly going to try and do like a duck hunting club. Oh yeah. Supplies, oh, cool. Boys and everything. Because deer hunting, yeah, the closest halfway decent public land is about forty five minutes north. So okay, deer sure. hunting okay. makes it very difficult versus duck hunting. You're going to be successful on the Mississippi. You'll at least see lots of birds and that's twenty five minutes away. And right. can, yeah. it's easier to get in to duck hunting like our buddy Richie just did with us this year. It's a lot easier to get into duck hunting. It's a lot more fun for those coming in than deer hunting hoping to see a deer on public land and having to travel that right yeah 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 well said yeah that's yeah that is that is really smart i know um and i'm sure you guys know about this already too but uh ducks unlimited does some specific work with uh college-based uh um, chapters so uh i know there's there's definitely some support out there for that i I can't remember what they call it they call it Mm -hmm. duck university or something like that is it campus waterfowl um yeah maybe maybe i know that's a big page on instagram okay okay yeah it might be something like that i I definitely know duck ducks unlimited has gone that route and has tried to try to uh do exactly what you just described there, get people in on it that they think would be interested. And, and you're right, you know, having those, I don't know, those higher odds, uh, species of, of, you know, target species. I think that does help people stick around because you're right. All the work that goes into deer season (laughs) and that we forget about in the off season, you know what I mean? We always remind ourselves, Oh, it'll be a hassle to get ready tomorrow. And then you're getting ready in the next, the next day when tomorrow comes and you're like, wow, (laughs) there's a lot (laughs) more steps to this than I remembered, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, uh, you're right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that goes into that for sure. Well, what, uh, what other projects are you guys working on right now? You got any, uh, new film that's going to be, uh, rolling out on YouTube soon? 
think we got a couple turkey on coming out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so I assume that's for this 2021 season, correct? Yeah. And yeah, and Nate's Nate's the turkey guy. I know that he loves to, <laughs> he loves chasing gobblers. That might be kind of tough this year with baseball going on. Nate, you got a plan? Yeah. For that? Yeah. You you coming you coming home to hunt turkeys for a weekend? Yeah, I got a third season tag, so I'm gonna try to make it home for that weekend and hopefully get a bird down. Good nice. deal. I'm thinking about uh trying to get Mr. Fritch to to uh go hunting with me for some turkeys on the Illinois side of the river this year. I've uh I am a total noob when it comes to hunting turkeys. I look I'm like the guy who gets featured on YouTube videos by self filmers <laughs> who they play, you know, like clown music in the background or whatever while this this person wanders aimlessly through the woods. Yeah, that'd be that'd be me. But uh yeah, no, that's good stuff. And then I imagine doing some shed hunting too this spring, right? Yeah. I'm actually taking a trip down to Davenport Friday and I'll be going around that area. That's where my sister lives on. I think we're going to head up to Makokoda Saturday and then we're going to head up to Minnesota on Sunday. Okay. Check yeah. out some public land. That way we don't push around some of our larger bucks on the properties here in Platteville. Sure. Sure. Make sure, make sure you bring some snowshoes. There's quite, snow's still pretty deep down here, this neck of the woods. But yeah, the, the antlers, the antlers are dropping. I just talked to a, uh, a friend today who's, uh, possibly the best shed hunter I know. And, uh, he, uh, said he's also a, a biology teacher, um, down in, uh, Southern Iowa. And, uh, he had a student who, uh, brought a, brought a video into him and, uh, he had filmed 150 deer in one field, uh, just all, all, uh, yarded up because of the snow and ice and everything. And, uh, he asked the kid, how many deer did he see still wearing antlers? And out of the 150 deer, only two, two bucks were still carrying antlers. So no, wow. I think, uh, I think this, Really cold and really snowy winter has uh, a lot of antlers on the ground already. Mm-hmm. You just got to be able to <laughs> dig them out of the snow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the yeah. stress, the stress that comes with you know living in the cold and yeah, trying to find food kind of makes them drop. Yep, definitely. And uh, the you know the the resource you know the the resource limitations as far as food and cover right now with this much snow on the ground really piles deer into small areas so yeah if you're in the right spot this year it'll be a shed hunter's year as long as you uh get there first <laughs> yep <laughs> so no, that's good i look forward to seeing that well um you know one thing i wanted to to uh hear about too tonight and i, I kind of preview this a little bit when I, when I joked with nate about the buck that he shot this year is just kind of a rundown on um uh what hunting was like for you guys this year uh kind of how you did uh, maybe if you learned anything or or anything else significant took place and i kind of just went with the uh the main five uh types of hunting here in the midwest which would be deer waterfowl small game turkeys and upland hunting so uh, let's go ahead and start with deer how'd you guys do deer hunting this year i personally had uh, I don't know if it was, it was a tough year, but I missed a doe early season and then I shoulder hit a buck on November 1st. Oof. 
Mm. And then that was probably about the end of any really good hunting I had. Sure. Mm. Now, do you feel like I was able, I was able to film some kills. My brother had a good year. Oh, good. So at least I was lucky enough to be along for that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you feel like just trying to balance everything with, with what you had going on with, with school and all that kind of, uh, affected that where maybe you felt like more pressure or, you know, after you had that, that bad hit in November is kind of like, well, I'm pretty much out of time now. You feel like that kind of played into it a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was like, it was that the bad hit on November was kind of like, I had been chasing this same buck since you know, early October, it was my one deer that I wanted to get. And I had seen him like seven times in the day, had him at 50 yards right at the end of daylight, the night before actually. And then finally came in and, you know, 17 yards. I mean, I smoked him right in the shoulder and Mm. it's like, that's Mm. kind of, I mean, the, it was so draining. Yeah. Yeah. To have all that work and all the trail cam stuff go into that one deer and then hit him in the shoulder it's just like it's crushing yeah, was, was there any tough. any any blood or, or and not really much even a blood trail i mean i i hit him and you could just tell by the sound yeah yeah and i i mean it was there was specs for about 100 200 yards and then we yeah. hadn't he never came back never came back on camera so I don't know if he went and died somewhere or, but we looked, I even went out a couple of weeks later looking everywhere. We've looked everywhere and we haven't found anything. Well, you know, another guy that we've had on the show and Nate, you might know him, uh, buddy of mine, Garrett Fike, he, uh, shoulder punched a deer like that and, uh, ended up killing him the next year. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it, uh, it happens, man, and I'd say there's a good chance that he made it. Those old mature bucks, they yeah, they're so tough. I mean, they they are. They're yeah. A guy uh, I know who did a lot of hunting up in Wisconsin actually. Um, he told me he had a friend who was a deer processor up there, and uh, someone once brought a buck by, and uh, that buck had been shot seven times through the years, <laughs> and he found he. I mean, he he found you know just old healed wounds and everything. And the craziest thing he found was in one of the back straps, like somebody must've shot at this thing from behind. Somebody had laced an entire arrow inside the back of this thing. (laughs) And it had been wearing that arrow, that arrow shaft around for, you know, who knows how long. So those Mm -hmm. things are, those things are, are so tough. So, yeah, I I mean, I know it's been kind of a hard winter and you know, that, that may, tip the scales a little bit but don't don't get too depressed on it i imagine he's he's still out there and you know what that's that's just bow hunting man I, right it's I, part of it yep yep i had one that i i got a marginal hit on this year too and and uh had to had to give up i actually found him twice 30 uh 30 hours after impact and he he hopped up at five yards i didn't realize he was there and cleared out and i haven't seen him since but i i think there's a good chance he's still alive so yeah mm-hmm. it's just the way it goes sometimes what about uh ryan or or uh nate how did how did your guys seasons go for deer i'd say uh my season this year was the most eventful 
I'll put it that way. <laughs> I hunted a lot in Wisconsin and Illinois. Sure. And in Wisconsin, I was going after Magic, a racer that specific 10 point that I found a sheds to last year. So I was passing 155 inch, 160 inch three year olds, which I've never even shot. Never mm. even could imagine I'd pass that, but I was yeah. so fixed on him. I just kept having action sit after sit after sit, and it was wonderful. Then gun season comes along. I only saw a spike in the whole nine days of Wisconsin oh, gun season. Oh, man, that's tough. So went home to Illinois, hunted, saw the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. I was like, well, it's like a second rut forming. So I came back to Wisconsin for muzzleloader season. First yeah. night, here comes a buck chasing a doe. And he had a bro- broken front shoulder. So I figured I'll take oh. him off. And yeah. to find out, looked like a 243 was stuck in his shoulder. So kind of oh, cool to see that. Got that muzzleloader buck self-filmed. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. To Illinois. Hunted nine days straight for the same buck, probably 160-inch 10-point on mm. three acres. And I saw him every single day. Wow. wow. Done. Oh, man. Then I brought my dad out there, and it was the last week, like two weeks left of Illinois season, and there's three bucks, smaller bucks, walking down the ridge to him. My dad's only 60 yards away because it's three acres. Mm-hmm. So I saw those bucks going over to my dad. My dad shoots the first one, drops right there with the bow. Then the biggest one comes back to me. I shoot at him, <laughs> stick a tree, all oh. on film. Funny. But he runs out to 61 yards, and I just smoked him right there. He took three steps and fell over. So, wow. So, those bucks. That was pretty cool. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, share shot, that with man. your dad, too. That's really <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. I passed that specific deer like 12 or 13 times this season, but I was like, you know what? Dad shot his buck. He's going to watch me shoot this one, too, and we're going to double up. That's pretty that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's That's cool. really cool. So, so d- did you get any film on that, on, on that buck? Yep, that video will be coming out probably in the summertime. Along with that, I hooked up with one of our other buddies who films, Zach Lieb, and we got some does down during late CWD season. Okay. So that'll be all in one video in the summer, kind of like an intro back into hunting sure. for the mm-hmm. 2021 fall season. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's another thing, too, that I forgot to ask about as far as the time management goes. I know how long it takes to edit <laughs> content. Um, is that has that been pretty tough to fit that into your schedule, too? That has been very tough, and that's why I think we have five to seven videos on back order. Sure. Yeah. Because it takes a whole lot of time to edit the videos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would say that's definitely the, the toughest <laughs> part. It's finding time to edit those videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my YouTube channel is way behind as well. And I did the stupidest thing ever. I uh, put, I was pulling all my deer footage together. Uh, and, uh, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did this. I uh, <laughs> I put together November before I put together October. 
So I go through and I like edit all this November footage. And I'm like, wait a minute, you moron. You can't release November before you release October. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, uh, oh, man. I uploaded November to my YouTube channel, but it's still on private mode and I'll just let it sit mm-hmm. there until I mm-hmm. get around to doing October. But, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I know, I know how that goes. It's, it's tough to, to get all that stuff put together and, and, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta find the time where you can, but it, it's hard for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked, Oh wait, we got to hear the Nate story. This is a good story. And uh, one that, that would uh, definitely stress me out. Nate, what, what uh, went on with your buck this year? Yeah. So it was the last day of the Illinois season. And we literally just got permission on that farm that morning. The guy said he'd been seeing probably, 75 to 100 deer in this little three acre alfalfa field every night and we actually there was 20 to 30 deer on the field when we pulled in at like 130 wow and finally about about 330 they started filing back into the field and about 415 i look up and i can see something coming through the timber and once i seen that it was a buck and one that i wanted to shoot especially on the last day of the season mm-hmm. he came in i shot him like 12 yards oh wow, wow. And he, he ran maybe 35 or 40 yards and tipped over and i was just wow i, I seen him go down and th- that was my last tag so i got down and my dad ended up shooting two deer that ran to him in the same field as I was on the phone with them telling them that I just shot one. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is and really cool. So then I walk up as I'm walking up to this deer, I'm getting closer and I'm looking and I'm like, I can't see any, his head. Like I can't see his rack sticking up off the ground. <laughs> and I get up cause I, I wasn't following the blood trail. I watch him tip over and I get up there and he's yes. only got, he's only got one antler. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm like, this deer had two antlers when I shot him. So yes. I, turned, I turned around to start following the blood trail back and probably 10 yards from where he crashed, his left side was laying in the snow. Wow. Oh, man. Then, wow, that is cool. I picked him up to take a picture and his right side <laughs> fell off. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, I mean, you always see it happening on TV or stuff, but yeah, just to have yeah. that happen and to yourself is just a whole different experience. <laughs> yep. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. Now was that on video? Was that whole thing on video? No, I now? did not. Okay. I figured yeah. I'd be that I'd be that close to that many deer that there's yeah. just no way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. That's smart. It's better to yeah, better cool. to have a full freezer and a notch tag than yeah. than uh yeah. be taking a chance like that. I don't blame you at all, man. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome and and uh it's a story that'll tell forever, you know. Yeah. So, so uh what'd you do as far as uh taxidermy goes Did, are you gonna glue them back on or are you gonna leave them off no i just i caped them out and skull capped them and then i'll probably just screw the antlers back onto it i haven't done anything with it yet sure, mm-hmm. sure. the antlers are just sitting in my shed pile right now with the tag on them yeah there you go there you go you know what you could have done is you could have done like a shoulder mount and then made like a necklace with the uh, sheds hanging yeah. around his neck me, me and ryan <laughs> hey, there you go. That. uh, that's pretty cool that's a, that's a good story for sure well we talked a little bit about the waterfowl side of things and i definitely saw some uh, uh stories on instagram and and posts on instagram about that i 
uh, how was, how was waterfowl this year? I'd say waterfowl was very good in my opinion. Oh, okay. Back home in Illinois, where I'm from, you'll maybe see a hundred ducks a season, but we're primarily geese. Sure. So this was my first real year duck hunting up here on the Mississippi and there's a lot of ducks. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so when you could see a flock of a thousand teal go overhead, it's like, that's more ducks than I've seen in five years of duck hunting back home. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a trip throughout the season and just kept going out. When you kind of got tired of deer hunting and the deer weren't doing what you wanted to do, you just went duck hunting because you know the ducks are going to do the same thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And at the end of the season, I got access to a field and I brought Nate and some of his buddies down and there were a lot of honkers. How many would you say we saw in eight per day? I bet in two days we've seen over 120,000 geese. Wow. Oh, wow. And like they're landing in fields next to us and you can't even compete with live feeds like that. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Some of the feeds in the area were topping like 40,000 birds within like a mile of us. And it's kind of hard to have us, what do we have, 15, 20 dozen spread? Yeah. Compete with... 30 to 40,000 birds on a sod field right, right. now. Yeah. Right. Were you guys able to take some? Were, were some come in? I think we got 19 in two days. In two days, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Pretty fun. That video is going to be coming out sometime in the summer, I believe. Nice. Well. Yeah, very that's cool. cool. Video of that. Yeah, that's, that's something that uh, Brandon and I are kind of purposing to uh, do and 2021 get out and do a little uh, waterfowl hunting we got a buddy down in down in the boot heel of missouri mr tj scott from kilmo ducks who uh, has invited us to come down and and hunt on his uh his uh, property down there so mm-hmm. yeah that that's getting me a little wound up here hearing about all those uh all those oh, birds. Yeah. that's <laughs> that's some crazy action yeah there. that's cool yeah it's really cool well, uh, I know that you guys also do a little bit of small game hunting. Any uh, any good stories of small game hunting from this year? Um, I went small game hunting maybe this year over break probably six or seven times. And we we have a – where I do most of my deer hunting actually, we go rabbit hunting at and we can basically walk around on this property and – I think the most we've ever shot is 22 rabbits off of it. Oh my goodness. Wow. A big group of us, but it's they basically just pile in from all the, you know, clearing we do for management of deer. Yeah. So we build up these big brush piles and you can go step on them and just, you know, there'll be five or six of them come running out all different directions. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's, yeah, yeah. that's really cool. That's a good time. Did you do any squirrel hunting anybody? I did a little bit as well. Yeah. It's, I enjoy that too. It's nice. I usually just, I mean, it's pretty peaceful just to go out and sit on a log or something with a 22. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, I feel like that just gets back to the roots. I don't know if you guys, you know, kind of learned hunting and whatnot growing up doing some small game and whatnot, but that was kind of how, how I learned and just kind of nice to revisit that at least once or twice a year to relive those old, old memories. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where I started was squirrel hunting with a pellet gun. 
Yeah, I basically got into hunting, so it's, yep. it does kind of nice to get back to that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like you were saying earlier with uh, the plan to bring some people along for waterfowl hunting, I think uh, small game hunting has the same effect, you know, because like you're oh, saying, yeah. it, it's relaxed. You don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. you know, your scent control and and getting there super early or, or whatever. You know, it's just it's a lot more laid back and a lot more uh, likely to to see game, you know, so that's, yeah, um, for sure. it's, it's an important part of hunting. I think that, that a lot of times gets forgotten about, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's great. Glad to hear you guys are able to do that. Well, uh, did you guys get any, uh, get any turkeys on film? I know Turkey season was, let's see here. Uh, Sam, I don't, I don't know what year you are, but, but Ryan, you probably got, uh, sent home from college right around turkey season because uh, that's when everything kind of started going crazy with COVID. Um, yep. Did you uh, did you guys do much turkey hunting this last spring? White Duck Outdoors manufactures and provides the highest quality premium canvas gear for hunting groups and outfitters. With a complete range of canvas wall tents, cabin tents, and bell tents, White Duck offers shelters that you can spend days or even weeks in when you're out on a big hunt. The tents are built from their proprietary Dyna Duck fabric. It's 100% army duck cotton canvas treated with a breathable pfc free fire water repellent mold and uv resistant finish all tents come equipped with all add-ons at no extra cost this includes a complete pole set stove jack storm door floor bug mesh and windows beyond their top of the line canvas tents White Duck's line of gear consists of heavy-duty canvas tarps designed to protect any gear and equipment, ripstop beds for your gun dogs after a long day of hunting, and military-grade duffel bags to brave the outdoors. All products from White Duck come with free shipping, free returns, and a lifetime warranty. Visit www.whiteduckoutdoors.com and use the promo code, all one word, all caps, FIRSTGEN for 10% off your first purchase. That's www.whiteduckoutdoors.com and enter the promo code FIRSTGEN for 10% off your first purchase. I actually uh, came up here and stayed for a week. We popped up a tent because we couldn't be on campus. Sure. So we went out to one of our properties like a mile and a half back, and we just stayed in a tent. I brought a Coleman grill and nice. ribeyes and stuff out there. <laughs> there you go. Just turkey hunted for a week. Uh, we weren't able to get a turkey then, but got some really good footage, and we're going to be mixing that with some of Sam's footage of his brother and his father mm-hmm. getting turkey. Um, nice we might have another video or two 
as well coming out before turkey season. Okay. Yeah, yeah. getting sent home was awesome for turkey season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happened oh, probably three weeks before the season opened up in Minnesota, and me and my brother were able to – I mean, we would get up that two weeks before turkey season. We got up at light, and we'd go – see where they were see where they were coming out exactly and we were able to shoot me my brother and my dad all shot turkeys in the first week awesome that's really cool. all on film so it was pretty cool oh, cool yeah that's yeah. really cool nate uh you were still back here during that time and i know that uh you took advantage of the extra shed hunting time and uh turkey time <laughs> as well yeah I, I think i watched like 20 birds die last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got a you got a, you brought a few friends out right some uh first timers got them on some birds was- yeah so one kid i went to school with this was his first time ever turkey hunting and we took him out to one of my farms and we had i think we had five toms within shooting range wow and the one i think the one he shot he ended up shooting it at like five yards or something crazy oh, like man. that wow yeah that's cool that's cool. Well, if you ever uh, if you ever want to show uh, Mr. Fritch and me how to hunt turkeys, Nate, we won't, we won't turn you down. All right. <laughs> I think that's another good um, hunting to get people into is turkey yeah. hunting. Yeah. Because I don't know about, I guess, everyone else, but me personally, it's me and my brother will go out. And the only thing that I think would really steer people away is getting up early and having mm. to get out there at dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're in the right spot, it's constant action. Yeah. yeah and you can right. hear them. It's really cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the, the whole calling side of things, you know, the, I'm trying to think here. Other than using like a grunt tube, I don't think I've really done any, uh, course rattling too. I haven't really done any hunting with, with like a call cause I haven't done any waterfowl hunting, um, have an elk hunted or, or another thing I'm hoping to do is head out Brandon's way and do a little seek a deer hunting, uh, which yeah. we have, we have an episode coming out very soon. We get, we're recording very soon with, uh, somebody who, uh, uh, is a, uh, so an authority on seek a deer hunting. So, uh, we'll, we'll get to pick her brain a little bit and uh, I'm actually really looking forward mm-hmm. to that. But when I ever, I see people, you know, on TV or whatever, I guess I've done some turkey hunting too, but, but, uh, that that calling side of it and then also the decoy side of things now i've done that with doves that is that adds a whole new element that is really exciting i think when you when you get to see that pay off you know like see birds swooping on a decoy that is man even if you don't hit anything it's it yeah. just makes it, it yeah it just makes it that much more fun and i gotta imagine that if you really get good at tur- at calling turkeys it's a really rewarding side of hunting yeah. as well it's really addicting yeah i know, think it, you know you call so. and you hear them answer it's almost hard not to just keep calling i know they say you're not supposed to but it's like when you can just keep hearing them gobble it's so cool yeah yeah definitely. yeah I, uh, and that that's one thing that i that i'm different with in turkey hunting is i've we don't turkey hunt over decoys sure you just do all just calling yeah and we feel sometimes we feel like if they're looking at a decoy like and that decoy is not moving or nothing that mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. their eyesight's so good that they're just gonna pick it off yeah 
But right, like, if, right. if we are going to decoy, we, we've killed a lot of birds crawling behind just like a half body Jake decoy with a fan. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I but, think yeah, that way you've got, you've got a little bit of the movement playing in. Yeah. Yeah. I found two with decoys. I think, I mean, I don't know as much, but I don't know. I guess I don't know what's going through a turkey's head, but I think sometimes that when you have a Tom decoy all fanned out there, um, you know, you're calling and then those Toms sometimes will come out and see that Tom decoy with a hen. I think they'll kind of know that they're not the dominant one in the area almost a little mm, bit. Yeah. And they'll mm-hmm. try to keep yeah. their distance. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we need to get some of that footage of Nate crawling behind his, uh, <laughs> his, uh, fan. That'd be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be, go. that'd be worth the price of admission there. That'd be pretty cool for sure. Well, the last thing I have here on the list is: Did you guys do uh, much uh, upland hunting for like uh, pheasants or quail this year? I uh, pheasant and quail hunted three or four weekends in November, and pheasants were great this year. We got two blacks and a golden, so oh, that was cool. awesome. We usually average one black a year, but to actually get a golden, we've always heard about them, but never actually got one. Quail. They were non-existent this year. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot our limits all four weekends and eight apiece, no issues. But this year, I don't know what happened, but I think we saw two quail in general. Oh, and goodness. My dog caught one of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so was, this, uh, was this in Illinois then, Ryan, where you were hunting? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know... It, the the upland bird numbers were really up i noticed in illinois specifically and also in iowa this year and we we brought a the state uh upland biologist from iowa on the podcast mr todd bogenschutz back in episode 19 and he you know his numbers show that that would that would be the case but you know i i think that that's been a good thing for another reason um i think so in Iowa, the, the roadside survey counts were the highest they had been since 2007. And a big part of that was the, the mild winter and the dry spring. You know, there's just a really good uh, survival rate for, for, for chicks in, in 2020. You know, that's, that's one of the, one of the few good, good things about 2020. Right. But, uh, uh, I think, that not only was that great for better hunting this year, but um, with as bad as this winter has been, it's been the opposite of last winter. Um, I think, you know, we're going to find that that bird number is going to be pretty low again next year. But since we had so many going into the winter, I think that that might help prevent there being this longer drop you know what i mean something that that's affected for two three four seasons even you know won't won't be quite as as heavily felt because we had such a good year so yeah i i uh i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that that uh, yeah that 2021 won't be as bad as what it would normally be after such a hard winter but i would say the bird numbers in minnesota are probably the highest they've ever been right now at least oh, in wow. my that's great in my corner that's yeah. awesome yeah, yeah i do. forgot about that minnesota has really become a, a upland destination state yeah yeah we I, there's a lot of i mean we 
personally, we raised, uh, I think last year we had 500 or 600 that we raised and released. Oh, cool. And we've been doing that for six years now. And you can really tell a difference. And then you get a lot of people on board with that. You know, there's more people raising and more people releasing them. And wow. it's really made a difference. That's awesome. So so you, you sense that a lot of birds are sticking, they're carrying over year after year that you release? Yeah, I think so. And like you said, it does help with the mild winters. Yeah. Um, when we get as much snow as we've had, it makes it really tough for them to get food. Yep, yep. And you get really cold temps that's hard on them too. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all about having multiple sources of food. You know, the, the main, the important ones are the hens. You know, if you can get a good, good hen population, you get a good hatch. Yeah. That just kind of carries over. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I heard recently on another podcast, um, the whole subject of the podcast was, you know, how to, how do animals hack it? when uh winter is so harsh like it's been this year and um i was like man that's <laughs> that's a really good question and uh the biologist they brought on that for that interview he mentioned um having exactly what you just said having multiple food sources and he specifically mentioned food sources that are going to stand up above the snow level and so um you know yeah. somebody's somebody's looking to do something like uh sam and his family have been doing uh that's that's a good little tip there that you could you could use to help keep some of those birds around year after year through right, those, yeah. those years that are hard winters and you know what that's something you got to take care of in in uh the spring and, and summer, you know, that's, yep, for sure. You, you can't just, I know a lot of guys think you can just go out and just throw a bucket of corn on the ground, but that's not going to cut it. And, and honestly, yep. that, that, that doesn't provide them the cover they need while they're feeding either, because in the winter, they become easier targets for things like hawks and probably even eagles to some extent. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the usual coyote threat and bobcat threat and that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's, it's, that's a good little tip there. Now, here's a question I have for you as far as being college students and uh, bagging some uh, animals. Uh, when you're at school, what do you guys do with the meat? Do you got a uh, good uh, refrigerator situation lined up there uh, in your dorm or your apartment, wherever you're staying? Or do you have to uh, get a little creative with, with how you're uh, taking care of that? I've got two fridges and freezers in my apartment. And nice process all the deer and we've got three or four deep we got three deep freezers and a regular freezer back home so i tend to store most of my meat there and then like once a month i'll go home and grab like 50 60 pounds of meat and haul it back up here so that's what i kind of do with it sure store it home until i run out and then i'll run home grab the meat i want and come back yeah well, that's good. Yeah. I imagine that, uh, you got to have a pretty good system down in order to <laughs> deal with all that. Yeah. That, that kind of consideration. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys, now do you, do you process it yourself or do you just have a local place process it? I process it myself. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I personally do the same. I usually run at home. Okay. So, yeah. Or meet someone halfway. I know when me and Ryan killed a deer here a couple of years ago, it was absolute madness. <laughs> yeah, I think we ended up going to bed at like 1 a.m. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are the things memories are made of, right there. Right. 
<laughs> it's a lot of work to break down a deer. I mean, it's a lot of work to even just oh, yeah. debone a deer. You know, it's it takes takes a lot of hours to to get that done. Of course, you get faster as you you do it more, but but uh yeah it's not something that can be that's easily said oh yeah we're gonna butcher a deer tonight <laughs> yeah. yeah right right day. <laughs> yep yep yeah it's a it's a process no pun intended um so uh coming up this spring uh like we said turkeys are coming up are you guys getting tags in i assume both wisconsin and your home states maybe doing a little hunting of spring spring break lines up uh in a favorable way i am i've I'm undecided on illinois sure. i've got a flock of about 30 turkeys that run through that three acres but it's kind of hard to hunt turkeys on only three acres but yeah. here in wisconsin i'm planning on buying at least three possibly four tags they open up on march 15th so i'll grab them and then i'm going to head out to colorado march 15th and Maybe find an elk shed or a mule deer shed. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that. Now you're now you're speaking my language there with the sh- the shed hunting. Yeah, that's a mm. that's, that's a good plan. Yeah, you know, I wish I had been into hunting when I was in college. Of course, I was. You know, I it wasn't a part of my life yet at that point um, because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of deer in Wisconsin. Um, Unfortunately, you know, with you mentioned the CWD management season stuff, CWD has become a a dominating factor in uh, when it comes to deer hunting in Wisconsin. Unfortunately, and uh, actually, you know, kind of a shout out to uh, Illinois; uh, they've inherited plenty of CWD from Wisconsin deer through the years. But they have done a fantastic job, probably better than anywhere else in the country, honestly, at uh, kind of staving the advancement of that off. They've actually, uh, I can't remember the report that I heard. I think it came out maybe a year or two ago. They were one of the few states, if not the only state, who's actually uh, seen CWD numbers decline i think if i remember mm, correctly wow. uh so yeah. they've 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 done a very very good job handling that but unfortunately it just really took root in wisconsin and, and with the deer density that's there in wisconsin you know it's, it's just easier to for it to to pass around and i know that that's super controversial and you'll have people on all ends of the spectrum that'll say you know doesn't exist doesn't matter to people who probably take it you know, maybe too far the other way or something and, and, and lose out on opportunities. But, but, um, the, with all that in mind, I would say that, that, uh, as far as turkeys go, you know, if you're talking the best Turkey States, now I I don't know much about turkeys, of course, but I have, from what I've heard, read, seen, Wisconsin is kind of, you know, up there probably in the top three of uh, turkey opportunities. 
you know, it's just a, it's a Turkey state. <laughs> there's, sure. there's, uh, some just incredible opportunities there for hunting turkeys. So I'm glad to hear you guys are able to take advantage of that. Of course, you know, anywhere in the Midwest really is a good Turkey state, but, but, um, I, th- I think probably just the, the right combination of cover what, climate and, and available food, uh, sources there just make Wisconsin a special place to hunt turkeys. So that's pretty cool. Nate, are you just hunting uh, turkeys in Illinois? Or are you going to try and get a Wisconsin tag while you're up there? I think for the most part, I'm just going to stay in Illinois and then shed hunt as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, nothing wrong with that. Got to get that. Got to get that freshman year under your belt, and then uh, then you'll be able to start studying in the tree stand or the turkey blind. Or... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, uh, the last kind of big thing I wanted to talk to you guys about as we uh, draw to a close here, you know, really what 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 probably makes your channel the most unique is how you're doing it, and we've talked about it all all episode long now. But uh, the the point in life that you're doing it, you guys are young guys. And, uh, you know, as, as you look at it and the average length that, you know, the people who really go hard with hunting, you know, you guys probably have a good another, you know, maybe 50 years, maybe even longer of, of hunting ahead of you. And as you, as you look at that and, and look to the future, um, obviously there's a lot, there's, there's tons of opportunities and, and, you know, hopefully you guys will, will be, uh mounting animals you never thought in your wildest dreams would <laughs> would be the case you know whether it's something here in the midwest or even traveling out out west and hunt, hunting some of the other big five you know that that exist out there and and things like that but but uh what are some of your concerns maybe some things that you know kind of you you look at and you're like you know i hope this is still favorable for us what you know way down the road or maybe when you if you have kids someday or grand you know nieces and nephews whoever but what what are some some things that you guys think that you know maybe we need to be paying attention to or maybe we even need to change or or be called out on as a hunting community you know it could have to do with uh just just that itself the hunting community or maybe conservation needs or wildlife issues you know what what kind of things are you guys are, are on your mind as far as that goes? I think um, that one of my biggest concerns going forward, I guess, I don't know how big, like, I guess, huge of a concern it would be, but I think in a sense, um, big game hunting is kind of a little bit coming down to um, people with a lot of money mm. and mm-hmm. like private land and getting opportunities to you know, go shoot a huge world-class elk or world-class moose, things like that. So I think that, I mean, it's great how much right now, how much opportunity there is actually out there with like public land and, you know, you being able to put in for a draw basically anywhere you want. Hmm. So I think that, that uh, there's, it's as a hunting community that I think it's going to come down to, um, trying to preserve those public places, those public lands, mm. and then while having those public lands, people being respectful about it, yeah. you know, understanding that there's going to be other hunters there, you know, there's going to be, you know, other 
because the amount of stuff that I'm sure Ryan knows all about it because he does a lot of public land stuff, but the amount of stuff that you get stolen on public land is just crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that's a tremendous, a, a tremendous thought that you have there. You know, I think that's very wise beyond your years to, to be thinking of that. And it actually, it's very relevant. Uh, Brandon and I, we were just talking with our good buddy, Alex Gruen from East to West mm-hmm. Hunts. And we talked about something that's going on in the news right now in the hunting world, which is in the state of Montana. And it's exactly what you just, you just described there where uh, there's this, this proposal um, that uh, Montana allocates 60%, 60% of the non-resident tags to uh, uh, be held by um, hunting guides, or I mean, reserved for people that have to book through a, a guide mm-hmm. service. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's the exact problem you just mentioned with, you know, jacking the price up, making it less attainable for you know, for, for a kid in college who wants to have big dreams, you know, right. for, for yeah. somebody who doesn't have a, a deep wallet, but maybe can get some buddies together, pile in the pile in their car and drive through the night and maybe come back with uh, some elk meat or a mule deer or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, I, yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a great point. Nate or Ryan, anything uh, on your guys' mind as far as that goes? I would say money is a big one too like having to pay i know dad just got back a few weeks ago from oklahoma on a hog trip and they had deer there and like they he could have shot one if he wanted to but it would have it would have cost him like five thousand dollars or more and he's just thinking like why would why would anyone want to pay that much to shoot Mm. something we could shoot at home or do on our own yeah yeah, some of those uh, ranches and stuff that you you can hunt down in the southwest. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. For me, uh, it's back to the public land. Like in Illinois, growing up, there's not much public land around. I'm like an hour south of Chicago. Okay, yeah. One main area, but DNR, in my opinion, does not manage it whatsoever. There's like two to three deer per square mile. Mm. and it's kind of ridiculous so unlike illinois wisconsin uh, managed forest land mm-hmm. so they'll okay. deduct taxes off of the landowner to allow public land hunting and i think that's a big concern for me in illinois where my part there's basically no public land i know a couple guys from chicago that are paying 20 to twenty-five thousand dollars a year to lease 50 to 70 acres wow like one can compete with 50 acres $20,000 like that wow that's that's absurd yeah so I've been asking for property in Illinois for I'm 20 years old now so probably seven years and I just got three acres last year wow wow so it's a it's a big change of pace because the one little piece that I did hunt I saw maybe one deer two deer a year at best so how I got stuck into hunting but yeah, <laughs> one to two deer a year. It's like, all right, you better be ready. You better harvest that. But Wisconsin, yeah. they do a whole lot better job with MFL and allowing public land. But I think Illinois just passed that last year, and they're starting to do certain counties where they're starting to lease private ground. So that's opening up more opportunities. But 
mm-hmm. most of those opportunities I saw are like closest one is like three and a half hours from where I'm at. So mm-hmm. it's not really a viable option for most. So the city starts growing out more and more hunting will be taken away unless you're on private ground and no one can afford it. So yeah, right. I make concern. I think that's great. That's, that's interesting that you guys went that route. I, I don't know what route I thought you were going to go, but, but uh, the uh, land access and, and cost side of it, that's a, that's a great point. And, and I think, you know, as you look into the future, as far as something that could kind of upend what we all love and in some sense take for granted, right? Um, that would definitely be be one of those things it, where, it, where it just becomes too hard for people to participate unless they they have, you know, some incredible assets at their disposal to to um, do so. But yeah, uh, yeah. Pu- public ground is, is certainly worth fighting for. It's worth you know, taken care of. Uh, and, um, I know, uh, you know, sometimes we can get a little frustrated with how, how our state agencies manage it and so forth. But I mean, part of that's what, what they're funded to do too. And, uh, uh, what they're, they're able to do. So, you know, when, when those prices go up, you know, we just talked about things becoming too expensive, but some expenses I think are worth it. And one of those are tag prices and, and, um, uh, uh, license prices and things those are the things that can be used to to help and improve that and you know try to try to when you're when you see that extra couple bucks on your hunting license every once in a while you know try to try to stay positive because uh Mm -hmm. hopefully it's it's gonna it's gonna lead to a better thing down the road and Mm -hmm. and you know if you uh you're listening to this and maybe you have some land that that uh you know, you, uh, wouldn't mind letting others hunt on or something like that. You know, don't be afraid to reach out and, and try and help that help with that too. Or there, or there are some state programs, like I know here in, in Iowa, they have the, uh, I believe it's the IHAP program. I don't remember what all that stands for, but basically it's, uh, uh, private land owners can enroll in this to, uh, allow, you know, maybe somebody, owns a bunch of farm ground but they don't hunt themselves don't have any family members to hunt well they can they can enroll their ground into this ihap program and i believe they a lot of times get a little bit of a a, 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 some funding just to you know help for wear and tear on their field entrances and stuff like that gates and everything uh but let people come out and hunt and almost treat it like public land. But you're exactly right though. I can't remember who said if it was Sam or, or Ryan, when we have those things, we need to respect them. We do. We need, mm-hmm. and, and not even just, uh, you know, something like, like an IHAP program. Even if we just get permission, someone's nice enough to give us permission or, or, uh, to lease us ground to hunt, uh, because, uh, it, it can easily be taken away. And, uh, if it's being mistreated, I wouldn't blame the person for, for taking that away. So, uh, that, I think it's really important that the hunting community sees that value, recognizes it and, and tries to maintain that as a, as a special thing as what it is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very, very well said guys. That's, yeah, that's really good for sure. Well, uh, before we close here, um, how can people uh, link up with Dorm Room Outdoors? You can check us out on Instagram at Dorm Room Outdoors or on YouTube. You can check out some of our most recent hunts and 
our upcoming videos for turkey season and possibly some shed hunts this spring at Dorm Room Outdoors on YouTube as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And you guys got a podcast coming out soon too, right? We mm-hmm. do. We're trying to put that together in the next week or so. Get it up and going. We'll be on six different platforms. So nice. check out the Instagram and that'll have all the details when we've got it up and running. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Uh, do you mind giving us like a little preview of some of the topics you guys are looking at for the podcast? Kind of introduction of us, how we got started, kind of like this one. And then asking permission. It's like Jared and I, we've got very accustomed to that. Um, asking permission for land, for shed hunting, regular hunting, fishing, whatever. Then tactics to hunt throughout the year, like different times of the year, early season, late season. What do we stick with? And then also, I think we're going to be doing a couple of turkey and duck hunting ones. Oh, very kind of- cool. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome, guys. I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to tuning in. And uh, if you guys ever need any uh, need any help with uh, podcast stuff, I'm by no means an expert, but I can I can tell you what buttons not to push for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, we really appreciate you guys coming on the show. And uh, make sure if you're listening to this that you do check out the show notes. I'll include the links to their stuff. And definitely check out their content on YouTube. These guys, you're going to be seeing them other places. I know it. They're going to be they're going to be uh, uh, a, a true presence in the hunting community, I think, for the long run. These guys get it. They put together quality stuff. And uh, you know what? They know how to hunt, which is, you know, another important part of it. I'm still, I'm still working on that part of it. You know, I, <laughs> I can record a podcast now. I just need to learn how to, how to, uh, kill a turkey, but, um, <laughs> but now check out their stuff, uh, and, uh, uh, make sure that you, uh, interact with them on Instagram, give them a follow. Also uh, subscribe to their channel, give them likes. Uh, that's all much appreciated by us content creators. Uh, it's encouraging, keeps us keeps us awake when we uh, are doing those late night editing sessions and everything. It's the mm-hmm. it's the uh, motivation there. So we really appreciate that. Please also make sure you head over to thehuntfishlife.com and uh, get some of get some of that gear checked out that Brandon and his crew have for you there. And um, Make sure that you're also following them on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'm still trying to convince Brandon to uh, get his act together and get on to go wild. Need to I there. know, I know. Our buddy, <laughs> I know, Al- work in progress. Our buddy Alex just jumped on board, so uh, you can you can also check out Alex Gruen now uh, from East to West Hunts on uh, Go Wild nice. as well. But yeah, uh, check check them out, and then of course head over to firstgenhunter.com. I do have some some new video footage coming out soon. I just need to remember uh, which which month comes when because I edited my November hunting content before my October stuff. So <laughs> hopefully uh, I'll be able to get out. You're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the game <laughs> on November. So I mean, hey. <laughs> so far ahead of it that I'm behind it, but yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna try and uh, get get October done here soon, and you guys can check that out. And then also any articles that I have up there, and, and have have another couple articles in the pipeline that should be coming due here very soon. But uh, mm-hmm. after you're uh, after you're uh, done doing all of that, make sure that uh, you still find some time to get outside, do a little shed hunting, do a little turkey hunting, whatever you do. Until next time, people. Take care and take someone hunting.